Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. The mission of the church is an assignment from God to execute in the world around us. And we are starting a new sermon series where we are unpacking the Horizons mission statement that you just saw on that screen, on that bumper video. Uh, but I want, to, I want us to all read this together. So would you please uh, join me in reading our mission statement? Horizons is a community where we mature as disciples and lead all to Jesus for the transformation of the world from one generation to the next. Now we are breaking this down into a series and I'm calling it Grow Up, Show Up, and Move Over. As in, we're going to grow up in a community maturing as disciples. We are going to show up by inviting others and being a part of transforming the world. And we're going to move over because the next generation is coming. Now, today's focus is Horizons is a community. Now, the steering team, our elected leaders of the church, they have put forth a goal for us for 2024. And the goal is that we are to create a vision and a strategy on how to get there. And so we've started this process, and it's been really, really fun and exciting to be a part of this process. One of the very first things that we did as part of this process is that we had all of our elected leaders and our staff, um, we invited them to go out into the community and do an interview with somebody in our community. So we had uh, someone interview the, the LPS superintendent, neighbors who live near the church but don't attend the church, former Horizons members, local business owners, uh, city councilmen, uh, uh, several school principals, and so on. We had 27 seven different interviews of all sorts of different people in our community. We asked them the, four, the same four questions and it was really fascinating to hear their answers. Now, some of the questions were, what are the needs in our community and how can we partner with others to meet those needs? And what we heard was people were really excited that a church would actually ask what the needs are in the community and how we can partner before just deciding that we are going to do whatever, it, whatever we think needs to happen in our community. But part of this conversation, part of this vision process, we decided like we need to define like what is community? Does community mean our church or our neighborhood or our city or beyond that? Now, God used Abraham, and Abraham became a blessing for all the nations. Jesus died on the cross for all people. So God's idea, God's intent for community is pretty big. But that's also a little bit overwhelming. And so we have to start smaller. And we can start so much smaller that we start with ourselves. Now, I love this idea because I am an introvert. I love people, but people drain my energy and I need my alone time to recharge. 
So I love the passages where Jesus goes off on his own to pray and be by himself. Like this one in Mark 135. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Now, I've circled and underlined and highlighted those passages in my Bible. I have them written on my heart because I love those passages so much. Plus, I'm an early morning riser. So, so the thought of, of, of before the sunrise, Jesus and I, like together, but also alone, like that for me is heaven on earth. Now, if you're an introvert, like, you, you, get, you get it. You get where I'm coming from. And I do wonder, like, you know, my introverted friends, like, are we, like, a little more like Jesus than our extroverted friends? Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm kidding because we cannot focus just on one passage. And that's where we, as in Christians, get into trouble when we focus on one passage, and that is all we define our journey on. So if we zoom out on Jesus' life— we will find community and friendships are way more important to Jesus than his alone time. But Jesus was really good at balancing those two, a personal relationship with God and a responsibility to community. Following Jesus is a personal decision. And sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And, and I agree with that as long as they are talking about the church building and not the church community. Because Jesus did not do ministry alone. Faith is always a communal thing. We can't love God and love neighbor like ourselves if we are only spending time with ourselves. Now, from the very beginning, from very early in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, we read in Genesis, like, we're not made to be alone. God intended us to live together in community. Now, this last Wednesday was Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. And because Ash Wednesday and Valentine's fell on the same day, there were a lot of memes going around in my clergy, clergy groups that I was following. Uh, things like this, you know, what are you doing on Valentine's Day? Well, rubbing dirt on people's faces and telling them they're going to die. And also this one, you can't spell Valentine without Lent. Valentine's Day is this commercialized day, and there are some problems with that, but also it is really good for us to be intentional about our relationships. And on Ash Wednesday, we, we did recognize that we are, are only here on earth for a short time, but we also recognized that we make mistakes that we mess up sometimes, and it's especially true with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. But these relationships are intertwined. Our personal relationship with God will increase as we discover more about the importance of community. 
Now, Jesus and his disciples had a little community. They formed this little small group. They had the very first life group, we would call it. It was a small group of people who cared deeply for one another while walking on this journey of following God. Now, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he kind of revived this idea of small groups because he wanted to bring the good news to the people. He called this, this field preaching because he would go to the workers in the field and share the good news with them there. But because not everyone has access to a church building, he wanted to form these little pockets of groups that met in between the times where they could gather as the larger community. So he had different groups and that would meet together. There were these groups called the societies, which it was kind of a larger group. And that was kind of more of a lecture style. They would gather together to learn from a teacher or leader. And then a little bit smaller, he would, he, would, he would organize these class meetings. And these were intentionally various ages, stages of faith, different social statuses, where people would gather together to learn from one another. And then even smaller, he formed these what he called bands. And they were small accountability groups. And these bands, these small groups of people, would only join a band if they truly wanted to grow in their love of Jesus and neighbors. Now, hopefully, everyone would eventually join a band, but that is where they were held accountable. Now, to get to a place where you are okay with being vulnerable— and willing to be held accountable by other people, you kind of have to do some work on your own first. John Wesley and, and the Holy Club, that's his club he started in college, they would ask themselves 22 questions, self-examination questions, every single day. Now, maybe you got a card on the way in with those 22 questions on them. If, if not, uh, you can pick one on your way out, or if you're worshiping online, you can Google John Wesley's 22 questions. And I won't read them all, but I'm going to read some of them. And I want you to imagine what it would be like if you actually asked yourself these questions every single day. So questions like this. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Am I enjoying prayer? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I get out... Do I get to bed on time and get out of bed on time? That was really important to John Wesley. How do I spend my spare time? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? Follow-up question, if so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? I'm glad that John Wesley put that one in there because, you know, yeah, I grumble and complain, but not constantly, so I'm good on that one. 
And then, uh, is Christ real to me? Now, imagine what would happen if you started asking yourselves these questions every single day. Like, just you and yourself, like, right? You only have to answer to yourself and maybe to God. Like, not only would they, would they make us a better follower of Jesus, but they would make us a better community, Those questions, if we were honest and answering those questions, they would make us a better community and more prepared to be held accountable in a small group. Now, these, there are different stages of life groups, of small groups, and, and, and it takes some time when we join a, a life group to develop trust with a group. And sometimes we get to a point where we finally trust one another and we can share with one another how we're feeling or what's really going on in our lives. And then, then some things happen. Either we start holding one another accountable and we start saying, okay, how, how, does, how, does, how is God working through this moment and asking some hard questions about what's going on? But then sometimes when we trust our group and we start being vulnerable with our group, we become drama allies. As in, I'm having this trouble with my coworker and uh, they're really irritating me. And then pretty soon your small group, instead of saying like, how is God working through that? Or, or what can we pray about that? Instead, you could become a drama ally. And the group is like, yeah, that coworker, we don't like them either. If you don't like them, we don't like them. And it's kind of a tricky thing when we develop trust with one another to really hold one another accountable. And so on the other side of that card, you have Wesley's band meeting questions. And so when these small groups met together, there were certain questions that they would ask one another every single time. The first one, what known sins have you committed since our last meeting? Now, if you really trust your life group and and you're really there to have one another hold you accountable, if you say, eh, pass, I didn't do anything this week, your, your group is going to maybe call you out on that. And then there's some other questions, but my favorite one is simply, how is it with your soul. Life groups or accountability groups, they they don't take place of the larger church. They don't place of gathering together for worship every week. Because can you imagine if every Sunday, Sunday I would just, you know, sit on the step and I said, okay, what sins have you committed since last Sunday? And one by one, we'd stand up and we would tell each other our sins. In Omaha, I was part of a covenant group with some other pastors, and every time we got together, we would ask one another, what are you doing to stay in love with God, and how is it with your soul? When was was the last time someone asked you a question like that? Because there is some power in that question. How is it with your soul? soul. The power of a community that loves God and loves one another 
we'll ask one another this kind of question. Now, we are going to get uh, to our scripture today, and there are two different stories that we are going to read in scripture. They're, they're back-to-back stories of what's happening in Jesus's life, and there are two really powerful stories, stories that you know, stories that we could unpack in a lot of different ways uh, at a different time. But today, As you're listening to what's happening in Jesus's life, I want you to listen for Jesus's own desire for both community and a relationship with God. Now, a little background to this scripture that's found in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus just discovered that his friend and his relative, uh, the one, John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for him in his ministry, was just beheaded. So that's the news that Jesus just received. So we're starting at Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Listen for Jesus' uh, both idea of community and being his personal relationship with God. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Here we go, the first instance of Jesus going off by himself. Now, if you've ever grieved, if you've ever gone through something difficult or challenging, like you may relate to this. Then it says, when the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he didn't send them away. He had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, this is an isolated place and it's getting late. Let's send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. Community is important. So the disciples replied, we have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. And he said, well, bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. And then this is what he did. When he sent them away, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat, the boat that was full of his life group, was fighting a strong headwind. It was being battered by the waves and was already far away from the land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They were so frightened, they screamed. But Jesus spoke to them, be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. And as he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him saying, you man of weak faith. 
why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, you must be God's son. Now, Jesus, Jesus called Peter out when he started doubting. He held Peter accountable, but guided him back to safety. He reached for his hand. The, the balance of community and Jesus' life group and Jesus' alone time is beautifully displayed in these stories. But I, I'll confess that I'm not always good at balancing my time alone and my need for community. Here's an example, a real-life example. Now, a few weeks ago when we had all of that snow, uh, there were some issues with our snow removal. It was kind of this perfect snowstorm, maybe a perfect snow squall of factors that happened. Uh, we have a, a new snow removal contractor this year, and, and there was a lot of snow, and there was some miscommunication. Anyway, uh, some of our neighbors called to complain that our sidewalks were not taken care of. And so we called our snow removal company, and immediately, with, within a couple hours, they came out um, to, to take care of it. And so we're like, great. We thought all was well. So this was a Monday, and I went home uh, uh, from, from after work, and I went home. And Monday night is, is Tom and I's life group night. And I got home, and I was tired, and it had been a busy weekend and a busy Monday, and I convinced Tom that we were going to skip life group. And, you know, I mean, we talked ourselves into it, like, we're like, you know, I mean, it's okay, we've never skipped life group before unless we were out of town, and like, everybody needs to take a mental health day, like, that, that's a thing, right? So, so Tom texted our group and, and just said, hey, sorry, we're not going to be able to make it tonight, I hope you guys have a good time. So right after Tom sends this text, we get a text from uh, one of the staff members here. And uh, uh, by the time in, you know, four or five o'clock when we left for the, for the, for the day and, and we came back, uh, uh, somebody came back to the building and there was a notice from the city, a bright green fl fluorescent notice from the city saying, you need to clear your sidewalks. Now, we had thought it was taken care of, but so we have this text going back and forth with the staff. And so I was like, all right, Tom, well, I, you know, what do you feel about shoveling snow? And so we grabbed our coats and boots and our shovels and went up to church. And so when we got here, there were several staff members, Trentel and Karen and Pipo were all up here working. And we, we realized like there were some, there was a pretty thick layer of ice on a big portion of our of our sidewalk. And so we started working away and chipping away at the ice. And Pipa's husband, Todd, came up. And I was like, oh, Todd, this is, this is a lot. And he's like, it's all right. I, I called in some reinforcement. And so then pretty soon, uh, just minutes later, we, Tom gets this text from our life group text. And they're like, hey, they need some help at the church. Grab your shovels and your boots. We're going to church to help. And they showed up, and there's Tom, Tom and I, right? Ones, you know, we had just called in sick to life group. <laughs> and before you know it, like, the whole entire life group showed up. And for a couple hours, we worked on the sidewalks, getting the ice and, and widening the pathways for the neighborhood. And we finished up, and we were all standing around in a circle, 
talking. Like the staff had, had gone on, they had their own life groups to get to. And so it was, just, it was just Tom and I and our whole life group standing in this circle. And I'm standing there and I'm like, I had this great, incredible feeling. Like these, were, these, are, these are my people standing here. And it was so good to see them. It was so good to stand there and, and chat with them. It was the best feeling ever. And I realized that I, I needed my community. I needed my life group that night. I didn't need to stay home by myself. It was good for my mental health. I just didn't recognize it. But we can't be the kind of community that God wants for all of creation, for all nations, without these kind of relationships. And it's more than just reaching out to new visitors to engage them in conversation. It's about reaching new visitors and having a conversation and building relationships. It's about joining a life group with the intention to be held accountable. Horizons is a beautiful, strong community with eyes fixed on, on growing that community even stronger through relationships both in the building and out of the building. Now, I want to read part of the scripture, the part that I just read to you, and I want to read just part of it. And, and instead of Peter, I replaced Peter with the word I. And I want you to imagine Jesus part of your life group. But when I saw the strong wind, I became frightened. As I began, began to sink, I shouted, Lord, rescue me. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed me saying, you of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? And when we got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, you must be God's son. Would you pray with me? Holy God, our time with you is important. Our time alone with you is important. You have shown us a model in Jesus going away to strengthen our relationship with the creator. But God, you also created us to be in community with one another. You've given us this, this way of building and holding one another accountable so that we could grow our relationship with Jesus so that we can better share the good news of Jesus, so that we can better seek the, the community and really listen to their needs and really find ways to be the community that you want us to be. So God, in our, in our time alone and in our time of community, I would ask that you would bless us to strengthen the bonds and our relationships that we have to make us better followers of you. And I say all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.